This is CJSF 90.1 FM Burnaby, the campus community radio station of Simon Fraser University. We stream online at cjsf.ca. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and listen to podcasts of CJSF programs on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash cjsfradio. Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. Today we're coming to you from the past. <laughs> we're actually pre-recording this for you, because as you're listening to this, Luca is away at the annual National Campus and Community Radio Conference. And this year it's in Toronto, right? It's in Toronto. It's at my alma mater, which That's is right. Ryerson University. So well, you had to go to that. I had to go to that, and it's been I haven't been back there since 1996, so... Things are going to look very different in Toronto than when I was there last. But I'm looking forward to seeing how it's changed. And how long was it since you were in Toronto? Since 1996. Oh my gosh, it's been a total it's evolution. Been, yeah, a long time. Oh wow. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And the whole university's changed since I was there last. Yeah. And um, you've changed since you were there last. Well, yeah. But, they, but the radio station will be somewhat of a constant. Right. Right? So yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And, I, and I like going to see what's happening in the big picture of campus and community radio all across the country. For sure. Because it's a community, and it's an, it's an interesting, eclectic um, community of people who are passionate about radio and about yeah. um, being inclusive, right? especially about being inclusive, and, and I like that. Well, it, it kind of harkens back to part of what we are all about with Essential Conversations. We like to have conversations with people who are fascinating, which is a pretty broad stroke of a mandate. <laughs> yeah. Most, most people are yeah. fascinating if you sit and you dig oh, yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the people who get involved in campus and community radio, which is not j- usually going to be a paid um, opportunity. Well, Let's they have to that. be passionate about it because they're usually having to do something else in the world to earn a living. And so they have something to say or they have something that they really want to offer. Um, and it, yeah, so you get... And, and the, 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 the variety of people is so interesting. Anyways, yeah. I hope when, when everybody is listening to this, uh, we're sending you the wishes that you are having a fantastic time in Toronto and making all kinds of interesting connections that will then become perhaps guests for our show in the future. Yes, you never know. And learning things about radio because yeah. every, every year when I go, I learn more stuff about radio that I didn't know before. Yeah. So if we sound a little different today, it's because we have uh, taken our uh, remote in the field equipment and we're hunkered down in my, uh, my clubhouse at the House of Dreams property and we're recording in here and um, we decided that today we would talk about when we want to help people that aren't perhaps ready to be helped or aren't asking for help. Aren't asking for help. Two different things. So let's, yeah, let's focus on maybe those who aren't asking for help. 
and we we stumbled across. We always draw from whatever's kind of current in our brains, mm-hmm. and uh, we tell each other stories when we first meet up, and we're like, "Well, what should we talk about today?" And then there usually becomes a thread. Yeah. And I, you know that this concept I feel is like an eternal tug of war, especially for any of us who are healer types or empath- empathic people. Or service-oriented. Yeah. I mean, our whole lives are oriented around trying to support others or um, advocate for others, etc. And and yet, I think we all can admit that we frequently do encounter people and situations where we feel we have something to contribute or we really want to be able to make a difference and perhaps support through to a new transitional space, a a new whatever, something better, something lighter, something happier. And yet what if we haven't been invited in to do that? And what if, I mean, there's always the possibility, and I remind myself of this all the time, that my help is not actually needed. Hmm. It it may look like it is, and uh, uh, to me... But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right time or space for that person to have what I think I might have to offer. They might not even need it. They might need it from somebody else or not need it at all or not need it right now. I'm... It's funny because we we do a land acknowledgement every time we do a show. And I actually feel like this is a really ripe time to to do one. (laughs) So um, taking a moment to acknowledge, well, we're not broadcasting. Well, we're going to be broadcasting this live from Burnaby Mountain. We're actually recording this uh, in the Carisdale Oak Ridge area of Vancouver, Mm -hmm. which is the traditional territory of the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Tsleil-Waututh, not so much the Coquitlam, although Burnaby Campus Mm -hmm. is in the Coquitlam uh, traditional Mm -hmm. lands. Mm -hmm. And... By taking a moment to acknowledge that, especially in the context of what we're talking about, I'm feeling very mindful of colonialism, which is pretty much the ultimate example of, I want to help you. I think you need my help. Yes. My help and especially the kind of help that I want to offer. But not necessarily the help that's actually needed Mm -hmm. or invited. Yeah. So we're here as settlers because we didn't ask. Yes. We didn't I mean, we were. you could say that we were invited in the sense that we were invited to come in for dinner, not to take over the entire house and, we, yeah, and the property and the neighborhood and, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to, I'm going to hold that in my mind mm-hmm. as we continue this conversation. Maybe there's more to be mined, especially on that line. So um, for any uh, First Nations uh brothers and sisters, friends who may be listening, who who are feeling, yeah, this really applies, please know that I'm going to be taking that even deeper in my own heart as we talk about this. Yeah. So, yeah. And then that makes me think of also the savior syndrome. <laughs> 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 that comes charging in on the white the white knight on the on the charger right on the the lump the lump the lump the lump kind of yeah yeah I'm pulling this a little closer to me sorry about the background noise folks <laughs> yeah so the the idea that we've got the answers and. Or that we even know what the question is, <laughs> or that there is a question, right? Like I'm, I, I, it's so. And I think this is one of the things that I'm getting about being older. I mean, I'm creeping up on a birthday this week. And so I'm, I am thinking a lot about what have I learned in my life. And 
what am I doing? Is it, it's a, a, a birthday with a zero on the end. So it, to me, that's about looking back over, reflecting back over an entire decade and thinking about what have I learned in the last decade and what do I want to take forward with me into the one that comes. And I think one of the things I want to take forward is that if I'm pushing something, if I'm feeling frustrated because I feel like I have something to give and it's not being invited or or received that maybe there it's just I should just back off and just hold the space with curiosity mm-hmm. um because if if it were meant if I were meant to be putting that in in that spot whatever it is that I feel I have to offer it would be easier mm-hmm. and I, I this is comes back to this whole idea of, of flow that and I teach it when I talk about intuition, that if something's not flowing, then then just back off and give it a little space. And I so I'm telling myself this. I could walk around with the self-talk, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking, walking around saying to myself, Luca, back off. Just back <laughs> off. You, you take, you know, take the hint. You, if, you're, if you're banging your head up against the brick wall and getting all bloody, then maybe this isn't the right time or space or topic or whatever. Just... If we Back find up. ourselves, if the thought is going through our head, why won't they just let me help them? That's probably then I I have a greater need to help than they have to be helped. And and what is help anyway? You mm-hmm. know, sometimes help is just witnessing somebody. It's noticing what is going on for them without having any, without making any interpretations about what that means. Right. Right. If I if I do that, I have noticed that I'm a little more comfortable. Right. Um, and also, the, another principle that I've been learning is about, and God, is it a hard one to get? But but I'm, but you know, I'm getting, I'm further along with it now than I used to be. Um, which is this? Oh, oh, and it's gone. Oh, <laughs> it's gone. It'll come back. But that's telling me that I'm I'm sitting on the edge of under, really understanding it because when it disappears like that, it's mm. like I've gone into the cloud at the edge of my right. awareness and. <laughs> I need to just sit there for a bit. Which actually can tie into um, our general conversation of knowing maybe where we should go and when. Yeah. Because if it's not really clear. I See, I'm, I'm also thinking about time a, t- a few times in my past where I did not feel helpable. Yeah. I was in a hard, hard place. Mm. And I did not perceive that anybody could make a difference. Mm. I also did not feel safe mm. to talk about what was not okay in and my And then life. we put up barriers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking of one specific time when it was it seemed like everything was, was sideways. There was really uh, big struggles at work uh, where I was uh, feeling besieged. And mm. my home situation was deteriorating but I was also in a brand brand newly um, disintegrated relationship or altered relationship so I was needing to be responsible just for myself and maintaining for my kids yeah and money was not enough and I was struggling Mm -hmm. I was struggling and I felt like I was slipping under the waves but it wasn't something that I didn't have a lot of close close open relationships with friends around me that I could be that vulnerable with. I had people I could talk to and maybe I could, you know, hint at things that were going on, but that was about it. And one day I came home and found a bag of groceries on my doorstep and, and a gift card 
and it was anonymous. I couldn't find a name. So there was no way to refuse it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it or really... Or to feel beholden for it either. True. Right? True. And mm-hmm. and that that did something. It, mm-hmm. it helped me mm-hmm. because it I, I felt witnessed mm-hmm. beyond what I'd been able to really talk about it. And like, obviously someone was paying attention and had seen that I wasn't doing very good and that this was a really practical way in which they could help. And I can get quite emotional when I think about it now. Like it really made a difference. Mm -hmm. It really made a difference to me beyond just feeding me. It did something for my soul. So this was a space where perhaps I was not asking for help. Mm -hmm. Um, I might not have felt a freedom to accept it if it was specifically offered to me. I would have felt, well, I'm not in that bad of shape, not compared to others that I know. Um, it's, you know, haven't we heard Oh, we go said? into this whole comparative It's not as thing, bad right? as it yeah. is for others, so I shouldn't yeah, yeah. complain yep. kind of thing. Or I got true. myself here. It, it's up to me to get myself out again because mm-hmm. I go into that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really, it doesn't matter. If you're in distress, you're in distress, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there is something incredibly powerful about reaching out with something practical mm. without the need for acknowledgement. Because that's really what or was going on. Or without an there. agenda. Yeah. Right? Right. Right. Ooh. Yeah. It's the agenda. Like if I think you need to have something, I have an agenda. I need you to take it then. Mm-hmm. And that I think isn't helpful. It comes with baggage. Right. Um, the piece I was remember trying to remember, and it was sliding away from me, Did it come is back? about yeah, it <laughs> came back, and it's about there's a way in which when we're offering help, that we're also offering a message that sometimes that says, "I don't think you can do this on your own." Ooh. And, and people can feel, and that. people can feel that, and there's and some sometimes you can offer something without that message yeah. attached to it, and I think often we we offer like that, and we don't realize that message is attached to it, mm. right? And and I think there, and I like how do you how do you define where the difference is, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I think that. For me, and I'm and I'm figuring this out as I go along, it has to do with how much am I invested in in what what the other person does with what I'm giving oh, to them. Oh yeah. Do Good do phrasing. I need them to take it? Need them to take it? And is it is it because I'm just trying to get out of an uncomfortable place myself? Because I'm I'm empathic, so I pick up other people's pain. If I want the pain to go away so that I don't feel badly for them, then then it's about my pain and I need to go away and deal with my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure that it's ever just one thing or the other. It it comes with both mixed in, right? It's It, it might be a 70-30 split or a 50-50 split. We don't know. But, but to even ask myself that helps me to deal with my end of it. Right. And I think this is this is something I've definitely seen in the in the burnout category around people who are service providers, caregivers, um, in the helping what I, what we call the helping professions, and mm. definitely happens. I see it with um, people with their close friends and family, mm-hmm. where where other people's pain affects them profoundly. Right. 
um, that sometimes we have to allow people to be in whatever pain they're in mm-hmm. with the knowledge that we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just there. Yeah. Right? Um, but I, uh, this is, it's not to say that there's no value in helping. Well, but I'm, I'm just trying to unpack the piece that's around, do I have an agenda? Yeah, and then there's also a recognition around what does help. And sometimes our idea of what helps has to do with big actions or intervention-y kind of actions. Whereas a lot of times what really helps is the witnessing, the validating of whatever the struggle is. Now, sometimes that can cut different ways. <laughs> I mean, so for, for, for people who are struggling on their own and don't feel like they have a safe space to talk about things, that is where, where witnessing can be like a first important step. That's like the building of the trust. That is the, I see you, you are also valuable. This is really hard. I see that you're struggling. And in the in the witnessing and the validating can be an opportunity for us to acknowledge the strengths and the resiliency that a person is doing too, rather than just seeing what's going sideways. Although that can also become burdensome if, if we're basically just, you know, lobbing at someone, wow, this is really hard. You're doing awesome. Keep going. And then not actually saying, I see you're struggling. <laughs> you know what I mean? An offer of help before you've actually witnessed and validated what someone is showing up with well, might validation, be premature. Validation needs to be specific, right? right? It's that, like feedback needs to be specific. It's just saying, wow, you did a great job is not actually very useful. Right. <laughs> but if you say to someone, I noticed that you did you did this and you did this and you did this and you know you 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 rose to this challenge in this way and then it allows the person to kind of take stock and say wow I did I did do all that mm-hmm. you know um, because if we're still here and struggling then we're we're, we're doing something right because yeah. we're still here and struggling right yeah um, but I don't know that all of life is meant to be. I mean, it sounds very philosophical, and I don't mean it to sound flip, but we're, I don't think we're here just to have a perfect, smooth life. Mm. That would be uh, pretty boring uh, if you think uh, Well, I think we're here to have experiences, whatever well, they are. And I, you, you can also make a case, I make this case frequently in conversations with people, that problems expand to fill the space that we have for them in our life. So if we have significant, you know, what, what most of the world would look at and say, oh my God, like, yeah, that's, that's hard <laughs> problems. Uh, you know, a lot of times we still manage, we cope. It, we may be traumatized. We may be deeply impacted. It may alter the course of our life, but we kind of muddle through, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we shoulder on. That's not the right phrase. Soldier. But anyways, you know what? Soldier, Soldier on. Yeah. With shoulders yeah. to the with shoulders. <laughs> Yeah. To the grindstone. <laughs> Yes. But then maybe we have we don't have problems like that, or at least not at maybe not at this time in our life. But then, but then what we do have, maybe we could maybe from the outside we could we would call it drama, right? So I think drama is a phrase that we use when 
someone's problems seem to take up a lot more space in their life or emotion take up a lot more emotion than we feel is really uh mat- matches well that's what you, that's often on. a clue for me that that which is carrying the drama is not the real problem oh i see so that the whatever's showing up on the surface as the focal point yeah some people you not. can say well if it, if you got if you get rid of that drama they come up with another one right <laughs> some people are some people that happens for them right yes, but usually yeah. that tells me that that the, the drama is is like the fire alarm it's not the fire right it's the alarm okay yeah yeah <laughs> and then That's we want to go looking for well where's the fire then because if the alarm keeps going off something's triggering mm-hmm. it what is it yeah um and Sometimes it's easier to see that from the outside than from the inside, but that that input around that needs to be invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, so back to this original concept, the idea, you know, if we have smaller problems, the 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 volume of emotion or response that we may have to them will expand. If that's all we've got, it's like we've got this built-in organ for challenge for distress for obstacle and if we don't have significant external things that are creating that whatever pebble we happen to come across <laughs> expands to feel that big and well, maybe it's just boredom right because well, i think that boredom can be and this is where I mean, happening it's, right it's really easy for us to judge each other when we're like really they're getting that upset about this do they not even know what trouble looks like and the, the bottom line answer is kind of well, yeah maybe they don't but that doesn't mean that the the, the feelings that they're feeling around that are are not distressing for them yes. they are yes. they are in distress yes and yeah. it can be impacting them really truly to yeah. that degree now yeah. granted if they encounter something of a different nature later on Yes, the it, the perspective changes, and it's not that they would actually fall to pieces in a bigger challenge. It's just that well, now the the meter rating of what is distressing has been recalibrated, <laughs> and it and it just you know. And I wonder if that changes over the course of our lives. Probably. I mean, the things that I got distressed about when I was in my twenties are different than what distresses me now. Yeah. So, so part of that I think is our perspective. And maybe our life experience around what we've been able to handle before. Mm-hmm. Um, the first big challenge is one that you don't know you can overcome yet, right? Mm-hmm. But when you've overcome that, then maybe the next time a big challenge comes along, even though it may not look the same, you might have then that background of knowing, well, you faced the last big roaring tar- tiger. Um, so maybe you can face this one too. Yeah. Um, and then there's the whole thing around overload, right? Like sometimes it's, it's not the individual challenges. It's how many of them have come at you oh all at gosh. the same time. And that's the overwhelm, right? Right. Yeah. So, you know, we've hinted at the practical things that might help mm-hmm. for someone who is, we see that we, we witness that they're having a hard time. Yeah. Or, or maybe we can infer based yep. on enough information that we have about their lives. If we're, if our mind works that way, we may be looking at someone around us and realizing, you know, they may not be communicating that this is a hard time, hmm. but this is a lot for a person to bear. And I can infer 
that this is maybe they're not showing me the struggle, but the struggle is probably there. And if you know a person well enough, you know what it looks like when they're fraying around the edges. Yeah. And they may not know that as clearly as you do, because when you're in there busy trying to put the fire out, you're not necessarily looking at whether or not you're frayed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, we talked earlier as well about... uh, about challenges for people that may look invisible in our communities, Mm -hmm. like um, emotional, uh, emotional problems or, or challenges, or even ones like I was thinking about autoimmune diseases and uh, mental health issues that, that where the person can stand in front of you and they're not, they're not, you don't have their arm in a sling Right, they don't have a, they don't have a cast on. They're mm. they're not in traction. They don't have stitches. They're bruises, and so they're not in a wheelchair. They're yeah, so it, it's not cane. it's it's not obvious yeah. that they're a nanosecond away from losing their rag because they're, <laughs> you know, um, and I think, I think I one of the things that I find frustrating when I'm when I'm looking around in my community is the people who are dealing with challenges that are systemic challenges in our communities in in our culture and even worldwide um, like how we deal with um, with all of us as we age Mm -hmm. and how we deal with um, how we deal with abuse that's going on within our cultures, um, how we deal with people who've been displaced from their homes and their countries. Mm-hmm. Those are those are things that are our systems don't really know how to deal with them really well. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do with those? Because we don't necessarily have all the answers. We're all exploring. It's like edge territory for culture, mm-hmm. right? We we don't really know how to fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what do we do with it when we encounter it? Right. Um, and so we've been we've been uh, both of us participating in um, some evenings um, with one of the uh, people from our station. Right, our program manager. Um, and Robin's been. What did she call it? Um, aging with imagination. Yeah. And I was thinking because aging, I don't think, is a bad thing, but uh, but it's something that we're definitely afraid of in our culture. And so, how do we change our attitudes around mm-hmm. that? And and last week, one of the things that that we mentioned is that m- making eye contact with people who are older and recognizing that they're actually there. Which is a tiny, tiny thing that makes an enormous difference to them. Yeah. And I say them because I'm not um, at that stage yet. But, you know, 100 years ago, people who were my age would have been in that category already. Yeah. So so we keep moving the goalposts po- goal in terms of at, at what age are we old. But old still carries this. Oh my God! What do we do yeah. when we're old, right? Yeah. Um, so, so then you can substitute old for any uh, any other classification that we're not sure what to do with, and that mm-hmm. frightens us personally. 
um, and and that then is also a challenge in terms of how we deal with it in other people because it's triggering us. Mm-hmm. And old can't help but trigger a lot of us because this, our culture is having difficulty with it. And so aging is one of those areas, the invisible disabilities and, yeah. and um, visible disabilities. So accessibility for people with neurodiversity, yeah. physical challenges, yeah. uh, chronic illness, yeah. chronic disease. Well, disease yeah. is chronic, I suppose. Um, all of those are areas in which yeah. invisibility is, is... It's just one more part of that challenge. Right. Yeah. And I, I, this is making me think about how many of our our friends or acquaintances tell us how we can help them, but maybe we're not listening because we want to give help in a specific kind of way. Um, I'm thinking of friends who have challenges and who actively ask for advocates to, because they're too exhausted coping with the day-to-day life. And so helping, being more voices to bring the needs for societal change or or we could say like local business change or in a specific situation where they're encountering adversity, someone to, to step up and be a, a voice in that specific situation a lot of time. But, but that's not somewhere to go unless you've been invited. But I think a lot of times people are asking and we're yeah. not responding. But it's also, alignment. it's an ongoing conversation, right? I mean, it's in a way, it's an invitation to intimacy. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people, when they're um, needing an advocate, they don't want to be turned into a cause, right? Mm-hmm. So there's what, what kind of advocacy are they asking for? And do they even know that there are different kinds of ad- advocacy until they get a kind that isn't what feels comfortable? Right. So, you know, so, and, and, and what, how much do we know about being an advocate for someone else? It doesn't mean walking into their life and taking over. It right. doesn't mean speaking for them without right. checking out beforehand what it is that they'd like to say. Yeah. So, so it means that we have to engage with one another in order to figure out what that advocacy is. And, and if we don't get it right, because we're not good at it, because we don't do it very often, and mm-hmm. we don't know very much about it, then what do we do if we don't get it right? Is it then that I chase away into my hole and I say, well, I can't help you then because I, you don't like what I do? Or do I say, okay, that didn't work so well. It, what can we change next time? Right. Right? And that means staying in what, what might feel like an uncomfortable conversation. Right. Because if they don't know what to ask for and I don't know what to offer, that doesn't mean that they don't need anything or that I can't give anything. Mm-hmm. So it's, this is complex, right? We're, we're operating in an area where the, the, the ex- there isn't a lot of experience there or the experience that we've had hasn't worked so well. Mm-hmm. So we're in experimental territory. Mm-hmm. And, and how do we engage in experimental territory? Um, mm-hmm. without um, trumping all over mm-hmm. other people. I feel like now is a good time for a song break. We've actually yes. been chatting for quite a while. And yes. um, while we've been chatting, I've been madly trying to look up some lyrics because there's a song that I have in mind and I can't find the name of it. Oh, here it is. Okay, it's Elbow, Some Riot. 
have a listen and you'll probably see why I think it fits. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. When will my friend 
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to a song that I chose because it carries that um, that wistfulness of wanting to be able to make a difference, but knowing that you you haven't been given that invitation, you haven't been given uh, maybe you could say the power because really the power lies with the person mm-hmm. not yeah. really you know it's very tempting to feel like we do have that power to to make and in some ways we do but ah, the invitation is so freaking important yeah well i think the power is when it's collaborative mm. when it's it's um invited and given um freely and if and if if it isn't right on either side it it's going to break down mm-hmm. and i think the wistfulness is when it isn't given on either side right, right. E- either right. W- when you're wanting it and you don't know what you want or you don't know how to ask or the person isn't offering and and on the other side if you if you have it or you would like to have it. You would like to have the solution. You would like to be able to help, but you hasn't been invited, or you don't know what to yes. give, or you don't know that you have what could be like. There's a it's it's that breakdown, right? Right. Yeah. When it when it locks in and it works, it's magic, mm-hmm. uh, and it can do so much. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not for lack of good intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's it, we need to go carefully with our intention around it and share the intention. It's more like it's like negotiating a contract, right? Right. When when you've got the contract nailed down, then then you can move ahead with some confidence. So this makes me think of when we've been given an invitation or an opening, when we have. Um, had one of those conversations or those connecting moments where we 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 now have come to an understanding that this person could do with this kind of help and they are inviting that in if we don't follow through <laughs> it breaks the trust it is right? such a breach of trust <laughs> And not only between us and them, but it could be between them and the world. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. so hard to, in a vulnerable state, share the vulnerableness, be ready and willing to state what the needs are, yeah. and then not to have them tended to. I had a, I have a, I had a situation. I'll tell my story because maybe it'll it'll help with with this. I had a situation quite a number of years ago. Same same awkward the hard place where somebody did something lovely that really did make a difference for me. Um, I had another group, a women's group that I was a part of and I needed to hold a boundary because I was struggling mentally with all of the pressures and the depression Mm. that I was, that I was in at the moment. And I needed to pull out of uh, something I had said I would do with this Mm. women's group. And I stated my overwhelm. Well, I had one of the one of the ladies who was a mentor, quite quite a bit older, so definitely had a lot more. Had already done her period of time as a mom, was now in the grandmother state, was financially stable and independent, etc. Come and and have a serious talk with me about how important it was for me to 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 be open and to to tell the the group 
to let them know that I was struggling so that people could have my back. And she gave examples of ways that the group had had helped other members, other women who had maybe struggled in similar ways. And really, there was a little bit of scolding, but but I knew that it came from a place of compassion to to urge me to, to do this. That was important. And then nothing came of it. So she'd witnessed the hard spot, witnessed my vulnerability, and nobody was interested in actually stepping in to help. And that became, that became a walking point for me. Because I was not interested in being told off for not being vulnerable. And then the vulnerability being witnessed and then had the backs turned on it. That was... I didn't have any desire to then yeah. be more vulnerable or do it again. Like, well, maybe this time if I crack my my insides open in front of you, someone will. No, it, it's not safe. It became unsafe. So this is this is a learning piece. If we witness someone's vulnerability, if we witness and ask, and we turn away from it, we don't engage, and there's no communication around it. Yeah. Because there may be times when somebody asks us for something and we're not able. And having a real conversation about that is just, that is life. Sometimes we are not able to do the things or be the things that somebody would would need in that situation. But turning away without communication is a breach of trust and becomes prohibitive for that person to then make themselves vulnerable again. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the times when... um, when when we're navigating new territory, any of us, mm-hmm. and we take a risk to move into vulnerability, to move into a behavior that we have not explored before, and we maybe we're met, but only for a, a certain amount of time, and then maybe it becomes more than the person who's helping us can handle, mm-hmm. or. Um, it doesn't come through when we need it to. Then where do we where do we go with that? Mm-hmm. Because this is imperfect, mm-hmm. and um, it's very human to shut down if we if we try something new and then we don't get the support. Yeah. Um, but it's also very human to make mistakes um, or to have less than perfection. In in how whether you're on the asking for it side or the receiving or the giving or whatever it is, mm-hmm. when it's new, we're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with those mistakes? How do we hold the space for that? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the times in my life when I've been the only avenue for someone's support, and that I got to a point where I couldn't. I uh, if I if I were taking care of myself, I couldn't keep doing that, mm-hmm. even though I knew how important it was for the other person. Mm-hmm. So, so at it, so then what happens? Because in if this were if we were better at it in our society, it wouldn't be just one person holding it. Mm-hmm. But when it is only one person holding it, it creates extra. Um, stress for that person, especially mm-hmm. if they're working in territory that they haven't been in before and they're figuring it out as they go along, mm-hmm. right? So 
so how do we how do we pick up that mm-hmm. and i think underneath all of this is this belief that i'm not that important mm-hmm. right i'm not either either i'm the only one who can do this and therefore i'm over important or i'm not that important and and i think it's really easy to think that I don't have that much power to influence that other person's life, mm-hmm. right? That I'm not, I'm just not that valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and either way, it's out of balance, right? But 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 we we can't do it all perfectly. Mm-hmm. So so to expect that 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 if we just learn it enough, we can do it right mm-hmm. is also not realistic, <laughs> right? Because right is a is a it's a moving target. <laughs> it's true. Right? It's so true. I mean, I think about this in terms of dealing, we were talking earlier about racism. Right. And if, the, racism is such a, it's, it's such a huge area to wade into, and we haven't got it all right. And, and yet, there are people who are experiencing racism who turn around and say, look, I need you to do this. This would make it a lot easier, a lot better for yeah. me. Um, so, so there can be any number of reasons why people don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them might be that they have an expectation of themselves that they have to do it perfectly. If they're going right. to do it, they have to do it perfectly. Right. And this is new behavior, right? right. And then that expectation could happen on either side, right. right? Look, I've told you how I want you to do it. Why right. aren't you doing it that yeah. way, yeah. right? Yeah. Or why don't you do it consistently? Or why don't you do it? now right right like i this is this has been going on for hundreds of years i can't i i can't babysit you while you decide when it's convenient for you to do it right. it i mean this is so we're 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 wandering around in territory here that is complex mm-hmm. it's not it's not just straightforward and easy if it were we would have done it by now right right yeah. and and everybody has legitimate reasons for being the way they are but the fact of the matter is we need to make some changes we need to make some changes and i'm glad you brought up the brought up racism again because i think there is a lot of there's a lot of explicit information that's being offered again the invitation is very clear now and has been developing over the last few years where voices of um black and indigenous people of color are are finally having airspace where we can and should be listening to what they are requesting and identifying as the ways in which settlers and white folk can make a difference to be, you know, it's our ship to turn around and it's been plowing through the middle of them for a long time. And if we want to be turning that around, it's going to take a lot of us, all of us, concerned effort to, to, to change the momentum and direction of that ship. And it doesn't get solved overnight. But we've been given some wonderful, ins- like, targeted information. Insightful information. Insightful, yeah. yeah. And some of it we don't like because it's really uncomfortable and it's hard and it and it involves owning that we have a role to play in something that is so much bigger than us. And that that's, can be a hard pill to swallow, but once we've swallowed it, we can get really, you can really get beyond it. I'm saying that because the pill's long since passed. As yeah. well as yeah. um, getting to the point of, like, what you were saying about the uh, expectation of perfection or, or pressure for perfection or, or a certain bar 
setting that bar hard, high. I feel like this might be, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like, again, with the interest of doing something rather than doing nothing, yep. that this would be one of those examples of if it's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. Yes. Do something. Yes. Do something. Start somewhere. Yeah. Listen to what Because then requested. I can get some feedback yeah. and correct it. Yeah. And as personal as sometimes that feedback is, to, to recognize that the feedback, even if it has our name attached to it, is about the millennia of... Yeah. of uh, that is systemic, personal, but it's not personal. Yeah, systemic yeah. oppression that is coming through us. And so, yes, in our heart of hearts, we would not choose that. It's kind of irrelevant in the moment when, when it actually happens. It's about impact rather than intent. And, you know, if, if any people who are listening are feeling curious about this, I'm not going to be the best person to list off the resources off the top of my head. But I know we did have a guest who um, we had on the show, Abigail Rose, and she does uh, something called the Skeleton Key. And that was, it's a targeted series of dismantling white um, supremacy, white racism, the way that it, not white racism, that's a poor, poor phrasing, but um, our oppressive behaviors, the systematic behaviors mm-hmm. that have been there and that might be a resource to start with to yeah we've had a into. number of people on the show who who deal with mm-hmm. all kinds of different um systemic issues mm-hmm. whether it's around yeah. uh gender around uh, um skin color around culture all of that yeah. kind of stuff right so we've got we've got quite a treasure trove of yeah of people in our archives Mm -hmm. now. And I don't think it's very hard to find if you go looking with the consciousness of, and that doesn't mean that we just turn to our black and indigenous person of color friend that's just next to us Mm -hmm. and ask them to tell us where to go. Mm -hmm. We can Google. (laughs) There are some resources out there. And there's wonderful stuff in the libraries. And this, you know what's interesting? I'm noticing that this conversation is kind of, there's a shift here. It's Mm -hmm. going from... Mm -hmm. uh, what, what do we what do we do if we want to help someone that yeah. isn't very personal, ready to very be helped or, or isn't yeah. wanting to be helped? And it's kind of molding into the place of, are we listening to the people who are asking for help? Mm-hmm. And are we doing mm-hmm. those things? Yes. Which is quite, that's it's very, it's an interesting, shift. that's an interesting journey we've been on because mm-hmm. why would we keep trying to throw resources as somebody who hasn't asked for it yet? And I say yet, because we never know when that yeah. could change. Uh, maybe we just need to witness them, i.e. listen. And and then what, what are the other big asks that are out there that we can make a difference with? Mm-hmm. And I think we all also have different opportunities. Yeah. Um, I have a lot to do with elder members of the community, just mm-hmm. in the course of my everyday life. I can make a big difference there. Right. By doing very little. Yeah. And even asking ourselves the question, what is it that I would like to contribute? Mm-hmm. What is easeful for me? What gives me joy? Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's like we're we're the hammer that wants a nail, right? But we're just trying to hammer on everybody because this is the thing that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm thinking of... Um, this isn't mine. I'm sure that I'm kind of blind to what my own versions of this are, right? We tend to be. Yeah. But like, say the person who loves to have de- debate. Yes. And they they want mm-hmm. to engage in debate with everybody, but there's a lot of people that don't want to debate yeah. and it doesn't feel like the kind of conversations that they want to have. Well, that is a cool thing, but you need to find the right The right person place. to debate with. 
Exactly. Yeah. So if we exercise a little self-awareness to be like, this Mm -hmm. is the thing I always seem like nobody seems to want this from me. If there's a thing in your life that that's, you're feeling that, well, nobody, I don't know what to do with this. This is the thing I want to do, but nobody seems to want it. It can be a, 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 it can feel very frustrating and invalidating of self. But the thing is that does have a niche. So what might it be like to actually be curious about, well, where needs that? And how could I then make that useful in the space that does that comes back to this idea of flow, right? Because there's, we, we all have special, special mm-hmm. qualities. And yeah. the flow, we look, we, if we look for flow, follow the shiny. Follow the shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a broken record when it comes to that, but yeah. But it's so true. Yeah. yeah. I was just, uh, one of my clients I, in a session today, I was describing to them the difference between uh, having a question that you can feel when you ask a question if it's in the right zone. It makes you go, oh, yes, that's the thing. That's the thing that I want. So it's like, where can I do this thing that I love to do and have it be rejoiced over and like welcomed? So a question like that. If we ask that question, there's a couple of different ways we can we can respond to a question like that, even if we're just asking it of ourselves. We can respond with irritation and frustration because we don't have an answer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that just mm-hmm. kind of gets us in the cycle of chasing our own tail. Well, I don't know if I knew the answer to that question, then I would be engaging with it, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that's one way of responding to the question. The other way is where we allow that question to just kind of hang out, almost like on our shoulder, like one of those little angel or devil things. Wait, just be curious about exactly, it. Exactly, with curiosity. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes an actual open-ended question where we're okay with the fact that we don't have the answer yet but it's like putting on you know how when you go skiing you wear a certain kind of sunglass so that it Mm -hmm. it, you can see better right with all the white same thing in in bright sun um and in other areas like say in in when you're in a uh well we don't really do this anymore but when you're in a photo developing room it's a specific kind of light right so that you can see and nothing gets damaged the whole idea there is a filter so if you have a question with curiosity it's hanging a filter. out on your shoulder it becomes a filter you're going yeah. to notice things yeah. and it's an intention too it's a form yeah. of, of phrasing intention forming an intention yeah. yeah just like last week well it's last week in my time right now um Cherie White, who was a guest that we had on um, recently on the show, uh, was saying that the question, what if, mm-hmm. is like the key to all possibility. I yeah. so, so yeah, vibe, yeah. vibe with that. That's yeah. basis of our coaching yeah. training too, right? Is yeah. starting with what if. Yeah. It's the invitation question. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. actually might be a really helpful question for us mm-hmm. to take to a friend or yeah. to a companion. Mm-hmm. If we notice that, or we, we intuit they may be struggling. If we're inferring based on what we can see going on, even if they're not communicating it. And to ask a question such as, what if there was something I could do to help? What might that look like? Yeah. And that can become an invitation for them to declare what they would need. Yeah. Or Even if it's set, not right in that moment. It, yeah. might, it might come back to a week later or a month yeah. later. Yeah. Or to just set a boundary because maybe they don't really want to receive anything right now. We've actually reached the end of our time. This was like... Meatier than we even imagined. <laughs> I know. We thought we'd end up talking all about boundaries again, and we actually didn't say that word until it yes. popped out of my mouth just now. <laughs> You'll have to go and check out our other talk that we did about boundaries another time, because I yes. think it does roll into this. Yeah. Well, is there anything you want to tell anybody about, keeping in mind that you are in Toronto right now? 
the thing I'm in Toronto right now, and if anybody <laughs> wants to get in touch with me while I'm in Toronto, then they can do that. Um, but also, I do take my show on the road, so to speak. Yes. So if anybody would like me to come to their community, feel free to get in touch with me because uh, I'm, I'm happy to go out to different communities and hang out for a while and have interesting conversations like this. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, for me, I'm still at work on my Blossom co-housing project and our... Um, current mode of what we're working on is connecting with the houses that will be for our blossom people, our (laughs) seed people who are going to partner together and then partner up with either Airbnb or some other uh, aspect of the house that will help to make the house sustainable. So if you are a landlord or you know a landlord that would be interested in helping to create this societal shift to make Mm -hmm. more rental spaces available, please do reach out to me. I would uh, love to hear from you. And all of our information is in the outro. And until next time. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. Oh, ah, Happy, 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 boing, 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 boing,